Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is the Bob McCallum Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Paul Jones in the co-captain's chair. I guess I'm in the captain's chair. Always I really like. Be, I, I I'll be honest. I you know I mean my, my pal McCowan is you know still recuperating, getting better. It's a slow process for Bob, uh, he, and he will be on the uh, the show on uh, on his regular Friday hit uh, late in the show on Friday, but. Uh, I like the cat. I like the co-captain's chair a lot more than I like the captain's chair, Paul. It's like it's, you always told me, John. When you're in the co-captain's chair, you can use upward delegation, right? Like you could. Uh, well, when you're yeah. when you're on air, you can always say, "Hey, well, you're the producer. Like you, you, you make the call." There's <laughs> nothing worse than that pregnant pause that says, "Should I talk or let the other guy speak now?" So <laughs> um, we're going to talk the. Uh, the National Football League with uh, with our pal Trey Wingo, who is in uh, Hawaii. Um, and obviously part of that discussion will be the, the soap opera that continues now to be the Buffalo Bills, Vaughn Miller, and what's gone on on his off-field escapades. And then the 6-6 six and six team that was supposed to be a lot better than that. Plus lo- lots of other great stories in the, in the NFL. And Trey is as plugged in as anybody. Uh, but before we do that, Paul... Uh, you know, we we had uh, Dougie Smith on yesterday trying to explain what the Raptors are. That was before the win against Phoenix. So, can you explain to, what the Raptors are after? They the are game still a team Phoenix? looking for themselves, John. I mean, like you look at the last three games with um, Cleveland, Brooklyn, yeah. and Phoenix. And if I said to you, like, win, lose. The, the least likely you would, I mean, you'd look at Phoenix winning seven in a row, waiting here for two days for them. You'd say, throw that one away. You know, you, you probably should have a chance to win against Cleveland and maybe Brooklyn. And they they kind of give those other two away and they right. come back and they beat Phoenix. And I, and I think it's a team, John, we're, you know, 19, 20 games in that has, ha- they have, the big parts of the system down. They're good defensively. Darko's offense, you know, the 0.5 offense, make a decision in half a second with the ball movement and the cutting and the sharing the basketball. They're one of the best percentage assist teams in the NBA. But it's the little things that are killing them now. Like the last couple of games, they've been good because they've done the little things well. They haven't given the ball away. Turnovers are down. They actually made free throws in the game last night against Phoenix. They didn't foul jump shooters. They didn't make, you know, uh, the, the the play where you slap your forehead and go, what are you doing? They they didn't have any of those, which is why they won the game. 
So I, I think now they've got the macro stuff down. It's the little stuff they need to tweak. And I'm telling you, if they're able to do it, I can see a four or five game winning streak and vaulting their way up the East standings. Like, John, they've got 10 losses. Six of them have been to the top of the East. Two to, right. De- two, two to Philly, two to Boston, one to Orlando, one to Milwaukee. Those are the best teams in the East. And they've got, I would say, signature wins over on the road against Dallas, you know, against Phoenix, uh, going into Indiana, high-scoring team and beating them on the second night of the back-to-back. Like, it's it's the little things now I think they need to take care of because the bench is finding itself. Roles are crystallizing. Ma- Malachi Flynn's been really good off the bench. Their bench has won the last five games outscoring the other bench. Uh, Gary Trent is finding his stride again. Precious Achua is coming into his own. But it's it's you know it's a it's a bottom line business. It's it's a it's an absolute business. All that great stuff means nothing unless you're hanging up notches in the left hand column. Next up, I think the New York Knicks on Friday night, uh, which will be uh, an interesting one because the Knicks I think are just as frustrating as to their fans as the the Raptors are to Raptor fans. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's funny, you, you, you talked about free throws there for a second. And can you explain why free throws aren't just a given? I mean, free throws should be a given, shouldn't it? It should be. It should be. And and this is, you have all the time in the world to get in the gym and practice. This, this is not, yeah. it's, there's nobody in front of you. You're standing on the line. You have a routine that you've done your, you know, since you've been playing basketball. But I, like I said, they made some last night against Phoenix, especially mm. when it counted. And you can't be, I mean, they're shooting it like a, a grade school team right now, shooting like 73%. You've got to be, you know, if you're a good team, you've got to be mid to upper 70s into the low 80s. Well, you can't blame the in-season tournament for being a distraction now. No. Um, I, I kind of like the way the t- By the way, do you think they cared? I think they did. I think a lot of people cared, John, and you saw that with, the way the tiebreaker was going like, you know, Boston's fouling Andre Drummond up 25 points in the fourth quarter. And Billy Donovan's looking at Joe Missoula going, what are you doing? And Joe Missoula's going, Hey man, half a million dollars, Vegas. Right. And the same thing happened in Toronto. Billy Donovan. Well, this is the, this is the Pascal DeRo- DeMar thing, right? I right. Mean, yeah. Right. And, and I personally, um, as opposed to running up the score, and you want the regular season to mean something, and I've said this before, I'd like to see them use the standings. Like Golden State, had they beaten Sacramento by 12, they would have won the group, yet they're 10th in their conference. And they've caught lightning in a bottle in three games in their right. in-season tournament. And Minnesota, who's atop the West at 13-4, and four, with the same 3-1 and one record in the group, would have been left out of it. You want to make the regular season worth something? then default to the standings and not running the score up uh, yeah, to, to, to pick, the, pick the winner. Have you, have, have you phoned Adam Silver and told him that one yet? I, I keep getting voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Adam. <laughs> Leave a message after the beep. <laughs> or if this is Paul Jones, I'm not calling you back. <laughs> yeah, you have my number. <laughs> That's right. All right, we're going to morph from the NBA and the Raptors to... The National Football League, Trey Wingo, will join us on the McCowan Podcast. Paul Jones, John Shannon, after the break. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. 
Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCallum Podcast. Paul Jones in today with... Trey Wingo. Aloha, Trey. How are we? Good to see you. Great to see you too. So uh, before we get into talking about the, the good and bad of teams, um, and not to throw a big curveball, curveball at you, what do you make of the Von Miller stuff? Well, it's not great. I mean, there's there's no other way to slice it. Um, you know, I, I guess the team is going to do their due diligence and figure out what's going on, but the allegations are awful and horrendous. And uh you know, we'll, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. We have had situations where, you know, things change dramatically. But for the moment, I think the Bills are doing what they have to do and that they're letting the authorities handle it. And I think that's the best way for everyone to proceed until we know anything else. Mm-hmm. I, it, 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 the fascination for me, Trey, is, is that this, this was, and I know this is a much more, this is a human issue. This is not a sport issue. Um, but this was supposed to be a really big year for the buffalo bills this was supposed to be you know their crowning time they were going to challenge for the afc championship they were going to be in that same echelon with kansas city uh, yeah. but it it just hasn't happened well it's very strange because mark schlereth and i've been talking about this since the beginning of the preseason something's just not right in buffalo like for example they're six and six and they have a plus 100 point differential against mm. their opponents that's almost impossible. Uh, I saw this from my old uh, folks at ESPN Stats and Info on the Eagles game. They had 500 yards of offense, converted 10 first downs, uh, third downs into first downs, actually 13, and won the turnover battle. They're the first team since the AFL-NFL merger of 1970 to have those stats and lose a game. So whatever the, the soup is in Buffalo, has not come together this year. It started with the Stefan Diggs stuff. And by the way, in the offseason, when there and he wasn't there, and there was a big deal, it wasn't a big deal. And then a couple of times in that game in Philadelphia on the key third downs, they didn't even have Diggs on the field, which yeah. I thought was very unusual. And, and, you know, so something is not right. And this latest incident with Von Miller is just another thing that it, it's just sort of perplexing. This team should be much better than its record. Trey, I've listened to people talk, people that know a whole lot more about football than me. And as great as Josh Allen has been, mm-hmm. there is a school of thought out there that they don't trust him at certain times. Like if you had to pick a quarterback to make a play in the fourth quarter, yeah. Mahomes, Hurts, they would come before Josh Allen as dynamic and as as great as he has been at times – there's a there's a small school of thought out there from people that say, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I trust him. And it has nothing to do with his with his 
like how hard he plays or his passion or anything like that. Maybe his decision making, but he wouldn't be the first guy. Just your thoughts on something like that. Well, listen, here's the only way I can answer that honestly. I think they trust him too much mm. um, in, in terms of the, the offense and how it's called, right? I don't see a, a, a high level of sophistication in the offense. It's basically, okay, Josh, carry us. Do your right? thing. Yeah, and, and sometimes when you have that sort of freedom and responsibility, you try and overdo things. Like Josh Allen is a touchdown machine. There's, there's no question about it. He's also a turnover problem. Yeah, he has the most turnovers, or, or yeah, he has the most turnovers by far this year in the NFL. And since he came into the NFL in 2018, he has the most turnovers in the NFL. So you have to look at why that is. To me, I don't think I completely trust the offense they're asking Josh to run because they're basically saying, do everything. If it's not there, I mean, like, and he did everything in that first half against the Philadelphia Eagles. My God, he was a one-man wrecking crew. So, so you know? Trey, is is that is that his? Uh, recklessness? Is it a lack of maturity? What is it that has him make those key mistakes? I, I think that everybody, when they feel like they have to do everything, sometimes forces the issue. Okay. I, like, for example, yeah. in that game against Philadelphia, the Eagles had just scored to cut it to a three-point game. And it was at that moment where Josh tried to force a pass in in between two defenders on the left sideline, and it got intercepted. And that allowed the Eagles to take the lead. And that really changed the momentum of that game completely. And yes, the Bills went down and tied it, and, and, and uh, tied it or took the lead. And then uh, the Eagles came down and touched it uh, and scored it and went to overtime. And, and we saw what happened there. But from my perspective, I feel like the burden they're asking Josh to carry is almost too much. Hmm. To be the devil's advocate, though. Since they got rid of Ken Dorsey, they have been able to score better. They are a little more uh, open in their offense, yeah. and their defense sucks. And and, yeah. and and this is supposed to be Sean Sean McDermott's strength. Yeah. It, it, again, sometimes it's stupid little things that really have nothing to do with like this. Is why to me football is the most team friendly or team dependent sport. Right. You can take any other sport you want. Let's start with hockey because this is a Canadian. Uh, podcast you know good you idea. can have a decent you could have a decent team or a bad team but if you have a good goalie it really doesn't matter right the goalie is the great equalizer in hockey and sometimes in soccer right a good team can be undone by a bad goalie and a bad team can be carried by a good goalie baseball is basically a pitcher versus batter confrontation and whatever happens in that situation other people are or are not involved uh, basketball is a sport where you can have two players out of the five be really good and the other three can be mediocre and you can still be a very good team. That is not football. Football is is the most team and, and, and teammate dependent sport there is. Everybody has to be on the same page. Like, for example, on that throw to Gabe Davis, that would have given them a touchdown, which yeah. would have required the which would have required the Eagles to have a touchdown to tie the game. Josh mm -hmm. saw one thing in that situation. He thought he was going to break in off the cornerback and Gabe read breaking out. He was wide open for a touchdown that probably would have won Buffalo the game, but Josh went inside and Gabe went outside. And sometimes those little things are the difference between a team being eight and four with a, uh, with a hundred point differential or six and six with a hundred point differential. Yeah. 
So that that leads me to the other team that I think that we're we've we've all been impressed with this season, and that's Jacksonville. Yeah. And 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 gosh, Doug Peterson must be a damn good coach. Yeah, he can he coach. Must be. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, I mean for seeing, what they've you're done, seeing, you're seeing the difference in Jacksonville when having a real coach and having a phony coach in Urban Meyer. And right. I want to be clear: I say phony on the NFL level. Urban Meyer is a great college football coach. If he wanted to go back, he'd be a great college football coach again. But coaching boys as opposed to coaching men is very, very different. And the litany of ridiculous errors, uh, human, uh, mental errors, forced, unforced errors upon himself that he had in his short time in Jacksonville was preposterous. Uh, this is a really good team. And Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach. He, he beat the Patriots when they were the peak Patriots with a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl and Nick Foles. I mean, this guy can coach. He's really, really good at what he does. Um, so uh, what you're seeing from Jacksonville, by the way, is also picking the right quarterback. Let's just go back to the 2021 draft. Five right. quarterbacks taken in the top 10. Trevor Lawrence, good. Zach Wilson will probably never start another football game in the NFL unless it's by injury. Number two. Number three, Trey Lance, the third string quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys right now. Uh, number four, or yeah, number four was Justin Fields. And people are wondering if the if the uh if the Bears need to start things all over again. And then the other one is uh Mac Jones, who has probably started his last game in the foreseeable future for the New England mm -hmm. Patriots. They picked the right quarterback and they have a good coach. Those two things usually go a long way in helping you. And Sunday, I tell you what, last Sunday, um there were there weren't a, a bevy of great games. No. But, but there were the, at least two. The Bills and the Eagles was spectacular. So was Jacksonville and Houston. Yep. And, and it was so much fun to watch both of those young quarterbacks. And holy smoke, C.J. Stroud actually had them, gave them a chance to win at the end of the game still, which yeah. makes Houston a, one of those teams that they're, they're going to scare a lot of people between now and the end of the regular season and in the playoffs, aren't they? Well, it's interesting because – if you looked at the AFC South in August and you'd say, well, Jacksonville's clearly going to run away with this division. And they might. They might over the final stretch of games. But right now, uh, Jacksonville is in as the division leader. Gardner Minshew and the Indianapolis Colts are sitting at seven. And just outside the playoff hunt right now are the Houston Texans. So uh, this, this game uh, coming up this Sunday between the Texans and the Broncos is going to be critical because they're eight and nine right now in the seating in the playoff picture in the AFC and the Buffalo Bills are 10. Buffalo, I don't think, Buffalo's in real trouble. I, I don't see a clear path for them to get to the postseason. But this this little uh, game coming up Sunday between Denver and Houston is suddenly a huge, huge football game. How do you explain the worm turning in Denver the way it has? Is this just uh, two guys actually getting on the same page and understanding each other? Well, more than that, because I, I do think that Sean has sort of force fed Russell to do what he's been doing. But to me, the offense is not why Denver is where they are. Remember, they gave up 70 points either week two or week three on defense to the Miami yeah. Dolphins. Miami. I mean, a 40 burger's bad, a 50 burger's horrendous. No one ever gives up 60. 70 is a unicorn sitting on a rainbow with a pot of gold and, you know, uh, freaking uh, a Yeti is talking to him. Like that never happens. Okay. <laughs> What would Sean Payton and Vance Joseph, to his credit as a defensive coordinator, he he believed in the players he had. He got rid of some players. He started playing the younger players. And the system started to work. 
look, right now you could make an argument that Denver's defense is playing as well as anybody's defense. And they have been over this five-game winning streak. Russell and the offense have been sort of an addendum or opportunistic with the opportunities that the defense has presented them. And, and, and so to me, the, the single-season turnaround by the Denver defense is clearly the most remarkable turnaround I've seen in a season of football in a long time. And Sean Payton has finally got Russell to just, look, buy into the offense. Don't do the crazy Russell Wilson things unless it's third down or inside of two minutes or inside the red zone. Everything else will take care of itself. Don't go nuts until we need you in those situations. Well, look, I saw it firsthand when they beat my Brownies last week. But, uh, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson goes down and he was just starting to it looked like in that Baltimore game, it looked like he in was the just kind of coming yep. around and then he goes down and now like, I'm thinking like, okay, well, you don't have a quarterback. You can't win. The defense has been really good. Save for last week with Cleveland. Yeah. Can the defense carry them? And what are the prospects for the Browns going forward? Trey? Well, the really interesting thing about Cleveland is their defense. If you go look at their defensive numbers at home, as opposed to on the road, there's a remarkable difference. Yes. Uh, go look at the, uh, the Seattle game. Uh, go look at uh, the Indianapolis game. Their defense is elite on every level, but somehow when they leave the state of Ohio, they are not nearly as dominant. Um, I think that there's enough there. And I, listen, if the Jets had done what the Browns had done, they might be in the playoff hunt. And I really believe that because Joe Flacco is a serviceable quarterback. He's not the Joe Flacco of old that led the Ravens to the Super Bowl 47 win over the 49ers, 34-31, but he is functional. The Jets are where they are because they didn't have a functional quarterback. They chose, it's a colossal franchise blunder that they believed that somehow by just having Aaron Rodgers around, that would make Zach Wilson better. They knew what they had in Zach Wilson. Go look at his numbers this year and look at his numbers mm -hmm. in 2021 and 2022. It's the same thing. The Jets blunder on this season, which is why this is an organizational failure in my, in my opinion, is that they believed that Zach Wilson was good enough should something happen to their starting quarterback who was turning 40. And you have to protect that situation. It was an awful decision by the Jets. And Joe Flacco, go look at Joe Flacco's numbers from the start of last year when he was playing when Zach Wilson was hurt. He didn't light the world on fire, but I think he threw three touchdown passes in that game against Cleveland. For most yeah. of last year, <laughs> Joe Flacco, who only played in three games, had more touchdown passes than anybody for the yeah. uh, for the New York Jets. And I get it. Mike White was a free agent. He could have gone wherever he wanted. Mike White would have better been a better option at backup if they had tried harder to keep him. Obviously, you could say, well, the contract, having taken Zach overall, and maybe the ownership is part of that. Maybe Zach Wilson is not a competent NFL quarterback, and I'm not sure he ever will be. Uh, Joe Flacco could have put the Jets in a position that he might be in the position to save the Brown season. Well, I tell you what, you, you, you talked about ownership and you, you you talked about that one draft year where obviously Trevor Lawrence was at the at the top of the heap. But how many bad quarterbacks can the Jets draft in the last little while? I mean, seriously, when you yeah. think about I mean, when you t put Sam Darnold in that Sam on Darnold. that list as well. I mean, how much of a penalty does that put your team in when you when you have a a failure at your first round pick that's supposed to be the quarterback? In a quarterback-driven league. Well, that's the problem for the Jets is I have a friend of mine who's a Jets fan, and whenever they draft someone, I say, what do you think? And he goes, well, 
I hope it works out, but his history says me they picked the wrong guy. Like this is who the Jets are. Like I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to make fun of the injury to Aaron. And by the way, we should talk about this comeback because I think it is incredibly yeah. irresponsible across the board uh, here. Um, but they always do this. Like this is who the Jets are. These are the things that happen to the Jets. They they happen all the time. With I mean, when Geno Smith was a Jets quarterback. He got punched in the jaw by a teammate and and had his jaw broken. Like these things don't happen anywhere else. They only happen to the Jets franchise. And again, if Woody Johnson was like, "We're paying Zach Wilson, he's got to be the backup," well, that's a that's a failure on him. If Joe Douglas, the general manager, and Robert Sala believed that Zach Wilson could turn it around just because Aaron Rodgers was breathing the same quarterback room, that's on them. This is who the Jets are. This is what they've done their entire life. They've won and appeared in one Super Bowl. Super Bowl three, we're playing for the right to go to Super Bowl 58 in U.S. parlance. It's been the speed limit since they've been able to find a way to get to the promised land. Okay, so before we go to break, just the, the Rogers scenario. Can can you explain what this timeline is going to be? And I mean, is it well, really? Got, I mean, they, it doesn't make any sense, his, does it? Yeah, they, they began his window, a 21 day window to possibly activate he had surgery 79 or 80 days ago on that torn Achilles. The fastest player to ever come back from an Achilles well, injury we... in the NFL was Cam Akers, and it was 173 days, okay? And what happened when Cam Akers came back? He re-injured the Achilles. And people will say, well, he's a running back. It will be a lot more wear and tear on our quarterback. Yeah, he's also not 40, which Aaron Rodgers is going to be in December, okay? For my money, first of all, the Jets aren't going anywhere. They're not making the postseason. Uh, I think this is highly dubious to put him back out there if, if they if they do activate him, to put him back out there to play in a season where they're not going anywhere, where there's a real possibility that not only will this be a lost season, but if he hurts it again, next year becomes in jeopardy. So what are we doing as a franchise? I think it's it, I think it's just a good old tease to keep people deep Jets fans activated and interested well, in the or, season. Or, or 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 somebody really wants some attention. You mean number eight? No. <laughs> Why would you say that? He that, that that's not his MO at all. Oh never. Never. Well, <laughs> let's see. Maybe you can get another state farm commercial. Um we're with Trey Wingo, Paul Jones, John Shannon, back after this. Welcome back to the podcast. Trey Wingo's with us. We've got a few more minutes before we all have to go our separate ways. Trey, I've got to, I mean, God, I'm, we seem to be stuck on the AFC. Just There seems to be so much more happening more fun. in the AFC. It's than, more fun. Yeah. I'll say, I'll give you one name and then you can do whatever you want with it. Bill Belichick. Uh, um, I believe this is his last year as a coach in the NFL for the New England Patriots. Um, you look at the numbers. They're all there. Um, the Brady Belichick thing turns out it was Tom Brady and look, I'm, Bill Belichick is a really good head coach, right? But here are the numbers. I mean, I have them all, uh, without Tom Brady, he has a losing record as a head coach in new England. He had a losing record as a head coach in Cleveland. Every single metric of the new England Patriots way is significantly less without Tom Brady and with Bill Belichick there, um, in the time that Tom Brady has left. And look, I want to be clear. Tom Brady 
cherry picked the perfect team to go to and then added Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. So it made it easier for him. Let's just be honest about that. They had Godwin, they had Mike Evans, they added Gronk, they had Antonio Brown. Like that team was ridiculously good. Um, but these are the these are the numbers for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick lost to the New York Giants on Sunday. They were starting a guy who was an extra for the Sopranos named Tommy DeVito. And DeVito hey. had his opportunity hey. Hey. <laughs> and has played well. But the New York Giants were the lowest scoring offense in the NFL. In his entire career in New England, Bill Belichick has played the lowest scoring offense 13 times. He's beaten them 12 times, except this past Sunday. It was his first loss ever coaching against a, the lowest scoring offense in the NFL. The, the Patriots are kind of a joke. I mean, they're they're just they're 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 not, it's not even that they're bad, they're irrelevant. Like, who cares? Yeah. This is this is what it was like to be a Patriots fan in the 70s at old Sullivan Stadium, you know, <laughs> in the days of Steve Grogan and Mac Heron, you know, and then Andre Tippett in the 80s. Like this is uh, Russ Francis, you know, this this is this is what they've become. And it's pretty clear that whatever the secret sauce is, it left and went to Tampa. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trey, um, Baltimore, with all the upheaval they had last year around, you know, is, is Lamar going to resign and all of this and that, they seem to be clipping along pretty good right now, but they just never seem to get it done in the playoffs. Correct. Is this the year? It could be. Um, my concern for Baltimore going forward is, now, that was an ugly win, but it was a win against the Chargers. Yeah. As we know, the AFC North is very difficult. You know, the Steelers suddenly have a semblance of an offense. They're their first 400-yard output in 58 games or 59 games. They've gone 58 great games without getting 400 yards of offense, which is preposterous in this day and age. Um, uh, obviously, uh, we're looking at, at Cleveland and what's going on there. And then there's Baltimore. Those those teams are going to beat up on each other. You know, the Bengals are done. They're, they, they have no shot of making the postseason without Joe Burrow. Um, but what you've said is the most accurate thing. Somebody once asked me, what's the Ravens weakness? And I said, the playoffs, um, and, and in, in the Lamar Jackson era, I think there's one playoff win there. Um, they have to, they can do all the things they want in the regular season and it's great, but no one's going to buy into them until they show they can do it in the postseason. Hmm. I still think Kansas city probably ends up with the number one seed just because if you look at their path, uh, the way they only have one team left. Actually, they don't have a single team left on, on their schedule that right now has a winning record. Buffalo is six and six now. So, and who knows what to make of Buffalo week in, week out. We talked about that already. The path for Kansas City to get the number one seed is significantly easier than it is for Baltimore. And the other thing that is in Kansas City's favor, they've beaten Miami and they've beaten Jacksonville. So let's say Jacksonville, Miami, Kansas City, and Baltimore all have the same record. Well, then it gets really interesting because then conference record comes into play. The Chiefs only have one conference loss, and that's to Denver. Their other two losses are to NFC teams, the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Ravens already have a couple of conference losses, and they're going to play a much tougher division schedule, which relates to their conference schedule. The path for the number one seed still is much easier for Kansas City than it is for Baltimore. That leads us to we do have to talk about the NFC, and it's the 49ers and the Eagles this Sunday which I assume most would think that's a preview of the NFC championship game. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be unless the Cowboys find a way to factor into it. Um, but for the Cowboys to factor into it, they're going to have to play all their games at home. Uh, you know, they've won 13 straight at home. Uh, they've never even trailed for 
single second at home this season. And if they win, uh, as we're taping this podcast Thursday night, right. uh, they would be the first team since the 98 Denver Broncos uh, to not trail in their first six home games. That Broncos team went on to win uh, the second of their back-to-back. Oh, the yeah, the, the, uh, they want to win the Super Bowl that year. So, um, But for Dallas to have a home playoff game, the Eagles are going to have to stumble. And they could stumble against San Francisco uh, on Sunday night. Jalen Hurts is playing hurt. Like, there's no way around it. You see him out there with that knee. But what I love about Philadelphia is they have the exact thing that Buffalo doesn't have, which is they find a way to make it work. They find a way to get it done. They have championship DNA. They were getting their asses kicked for three quarters in that game against the Buffalo Bills. And like, don't forget the week before, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if if, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling actually could catch a pass, they probably lose <laughs> that game. I mean, yeah. here's nothing about Mahomes, and I'll move on from this. Patrick Mahomes is on pace for his highest completion percentage in his career in a year where his receivers lead the league of drops with 27. You want, you want, to, you want to sum up Patrick Mahomes' greatness? There it is right there. Yeah. The Eagles have championship DNA. Doesn't need to be pretty. Doesn't need to be smooth. But they just need to – it's like the brotherly shove. Their whole team is like the brotherly shove. Let's just get that one thing that we need. And they do that week in and week out. I think San Francisco is a better team. I think San Francisco is a more talented team. Um, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles play better as a team. Yeah. Trey, okay, what if any if any team depicted the, the city that they played for, then the Absolutely. Philadelphia Eagles and the Absolutely. city of Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. it is a it's a fantastic marriage. It, hey, it really hey, is. Hey Trey, I, w- I wanted to ask you about the Lions and their kind of rise after Dan Campbell took over, and people yeah. were laughing, and you know it's taken them a couple of years, but they're they're making some noise. Will inexperience hurt them in the postseason? You know, Jared Goff has been there. You know, he, he's he's taken the Rams to a Super Bowl. He played horrible in that Super Bowl. But, you know, he, uh, he's he been there. And it might. You know, Dan Campbell, uh, you know, Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth down more than anybody, more than Brandon Staley. And that's saying something. Um, and, you know, it really backfired in the uh, in that third Thanksgiving Day game uh, yeah. uh, against Green Bay. Um, you know, you, you have to manage those situations a little better in the postseason. They have everything they need. Uh, you know, they have the wide receivers. They have the running game now that Montgomery is back and Gibbs is being featured. That defense is good enough. But will they make, like, even in the win over Kansas City, I, someone said to me, what do you think? And I said, I think Dan Campbell's going to make one or two very questionable decisions in this game. And he did. But since Kadarius Tony had bloody stumps instead of hands and that pick six went back the other way, it didn't cost him. Dan Campbell's going to, like, there's a difference. And players will tell you this all the time. There's There's regular season games. And there's playoff games and it's a different feel. It's a different vibe. It's a different mentality. It's a different atmosphere. And you have to manage those games in a different way. I don't think you can be nearly as cavalier as you can in the postseason than Dan Campbell and the Lions are on fourth down in the regular season. Fascinating. Listen, Trey, thank you very much for your time. It's going to, the NFL season has been one that week to week, there's always been at least a couple of stories to keep people engaged in. This week is no different. Uh, before you go, plug your podcast. What do you, where, where can we read and see you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, work for the 33rd team. Supply a lot of content there. It's a, a combination of former NFL coaches, players, executives. I do a podcast with Chase Daniel called Chasing It Every Week. Uh, I'm doing some stuff for the PGA Tour. Uh, I'm involved in the Stunt app, which is basically an app that's pure sports. So if you don't like X or Twitter or whatever, Get your sports fix there. It's just sports all the time. And I got a new podcast coming out with Amazon and Wondery uh, in February called Making Waves. 
which is uh, something that I'll be doing with Kevin Frazier, how things in history affected the worlds of sports. We're really excited about that. And also doing stuff for the PGA Tour. I call a few events for them every year. Well, I tell you what, it's always good that you're never busy. <laughs> <laughs> good to see Thanks you guys. Thanks for this, Trey. All right, Trey. Yeah. Have a great day. Trey Wingle. Paul and I will be back after this on the McCallum Podcast. Tell you what, uh, Paul, uh, Trey Wingo knows his shit. Yeah, he does. He's, he he's does. as he you does. would say, as you said in the opening, plugged in. Yeah. Um, now I know you're a Browns fan. I, I mean, you and McCowan are Browns fans through and through. I, I, I have no understanding why. I mean, you weren't born in Columbus like he was, but I, I, I do. It uh, dates. It I all, told it you dates the story, to, right? You got two te- You got two teams in television in Canada when you were a child. Right. You either got the Browns or the Giants. Right. That's what you got. Right. You know, and on, I'm a, on the I'm a NFL closet, package. I'm a closet Giants fan for my yeah. relatives being in New York and stuff. But Sundays we would come home from church and my dad would sit in front of the TV and we watch Jimmy Brown. So hence yeah. I'm a Cleveland fan. Why not? He was pretty good. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. So. He was. Yeah, um, it, it, the fascination I, for me, though, in this league, th- this season, though, is, uh, as I mentioned with Trey at the end there, there's always drama in the National Football League somehow, some way, you know, whether it is Von Miller, whether it is Bill Belichick. I, I How do you think the how do you think they're going to get out of the Belichick issue in in, in New England? Seriously, I, I don't know, John, and I was going to ask you the same thing. You've been around you know sports a long time and 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 in hockey when like you've had these winning coaches and all of a sudden things start to go bad how do you how do you break up how do you divorce how do you I mean Belichick should be able to go out on his terms do they tap him on the shoulder and say Bill it's time and uh do you want to go to the front office do you like what do you want to do but your time on the sideline is done there's got to be a gracious way to do it no well, so so let's let's present your I mean what if if Robert Kraft walks in with a couple of you know a couple of Dunkin Donut you know lattes um and and sits down with Belichick and says hey listen Bill something's not working we're we're just not, we're not good enough you know and 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 the and and Boston has turned on us as a city we're not as good as the Celtics. We're not as good as the Bruins. You know, we're, believe it or not, right now, we're not as good as the Red Sox, and the Red Sox are bad. But we've got to do something to re-engage. And if Bill Belichick says, I can do it, give me a chance, what do you do? D- does does he not deserve that chance? He does. And you ask him for the plan. And and you say, okay, I think I've Draft given you a good you quarterback. <laughs> I think I've given you everything, but what else can I give you? And if he says I need a quarterback, then then maybe your front office needs to go and mortgage part of the future and draft picks and go and get a quarterback. Go and get him a guy that's more of a veteran that that maybe he can work with to get them out of it. I I, I think he deserves that chance, but you know, is he the is he the kind? And I don't think he is, Bill Belichick to fall on the sword and say, okay, I'm, I'm done. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope for, I actually hope for his sake. I hope for his sake that he's able to do that because I mean, we're old enough to remember when Jerry Jones 
bought the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was getting rid of Tom Landry. Yeah. And whether you liked Tom Landry or not, Tom Landry deserved to go out on his terms. And they didn't let him. Yeah. They, they basically dismissed him summarily at the end of the season and brought in, uh, you know, Jim, Jimmy Johnson, who then went on to win Super Bowls too. But, you know, you know, you know, you, you, you told me, you, I mean, I saw Scotty Bowman in 2002. I thought I saw Scotty Bowman at the end of the Stanley cup final, leave the bench, put on, put on his skates, skate around with the Stanley cup and said, I'm finished. That was it. He, Not many he guys do coaching that. that day. Yeah. No. Um, well, Vince Lombardi, remember Vince Lombardi actually retired from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and then got quickly lured to go to Washington to coach the football team there before he uh, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. But, you know, legends, you know, sports are sports are not very forgiving when it comes to what have you done for us in order to try to do it. So, but the Belichick one to me is, there's only one person that, in my opinion, there's only one person that can decide the future of Bill Belichick in New England. There's only one. There's not two. There's only one. And that's Bill Belichick. And if Bill Belichick is a true New England Patriot supporter, he would leave. He would retire. And 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 even though they've had a bad season this year or the last couple, he would leave as with such a, a great taste in everybody's mouth that this is the greatest football coach of all time. Yeah. I, but then you go, then you put ego involved, then you put philosophy yeah. involved. Yeah. Then you wonder if it's even possible. I, I, I just, I, I look at people of that ilk, John, and they're competitors. And it's tough if you're a competitor to say, I'm going to pack it in. It's tough. Right. It's tough. Like right. you don't, it, it takes a special person to do that. And I, I just think I, I can see him back with, a whole bunch of new personnel and one last shot. And, and if that's, and if that doesn't do it, then they're going to have to push him out. But I would say that this, this has been his one last shot. This has been it. Yeah. How many, and, and, and because it, it's not only his, I mean, I, I don't know if it, even it, if it, if it even is his coaching, but his player personnel decisions have been, Poor. Well, to I think he's reaching with Mac Jones to live and die with Mac Jones. The way he's lived and died with Mac Jones makes no sense. Uh, he must feel that he's got no choice and he's reaching like he's, he's, I wouldn't say he's pushed the panic button, but he, he's looked at it. And, and you're right. Some of the personnel decisions when you're, when you're, when you're not doing well and you start kind of grasping at straws and Let's try this. Let's try that. Maybe that works. You, you, you're looking for anything in your coaching intuition that might, that might, you know, create a spark. I think that's mm -hmm. what happens. But I, I agree with what you said initially. Like it's, he goes out on his terms, and his legacy may take a hit initially. But when you look back at the body of work, I, I don't think you can deny. You know how successful he's been. Uh, like that's that's no, never no, 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 no. I mean, you know? and in many ways, like 
He's a victim of it. Yes, and 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 but our memories, people's memories are short too. You know, we we now talk in in glowing terms of the Bill Parcells years. Yeah, no matter whether it was in New England or whether it was with the Giants. Um, one place he, you know, and 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 we maybe we don't know the full story of how Parcells left those clubs, or left or left the Cowboys. Right. But but you you know in the end, his 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 successes of a career are the measure of what he is. Yeah. The same will be the, the case for Belichick, but at what expense to the franchise at this point, how it, it, dare you think about leaving him in place because he's lost his fastball at judging players. And that I think that's, I mean, that's part of the question, but if I, I mean, the amount of money that this guy has made, for the Kraft family, for the franchise, the amount of money he has put into the pockets of all those people. Yeah. What I, is what is he owed by this team? And there's yeah. going to be, I tell you what, there's going to be people that are over 50 years old that say he's owed everything, let him go. And there's going to be people under 30 saying, get rid of the bugger. <laughs> you know, that's that's just the reality, I think, of, of what we're yeah, talking I, about. I just I just can't believe that all of a sudden his judgment has gone that bad on players. I, I, maybe it's a chemistry issue. Maybe he sees it in the guy and the guy doesn't really, I don't know, like him, want to play for him, doesn't like the system or whatever. But I, I just think his his talent evaluation can't be that bad. I, I don't know. People are going to say Matt Jones and I, I, have, I don't have a leg roster. to stand on. Yeah. I don't, you know. I mean, when 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 Trey Wingo's telling us that it's close to the days of Sullivan Stadium and oh and the Patriots, you you, you got to be. Sh- sh- and I loved Russ Francis, by the way. He was, he was, the, he was, he was the great first modern tight end after John Mackey. John yes. Mackey, then Russ Francis. But how many quarterbacks did they? The Tony Easons, the Steve Grogans of the world. I mean, it was. Uh, those were tough days if you were a Patriots fan. And by the way, there weren't many Patriots fans. No. Bill Belichick, made, Bill Belichick was part of making them a national brand. Yeah. Bill Belichick was part of making them a national brand. I And so it's I, it's one of those great conversations. You love to sit at the bar and Rob, Robert Kraft walks in and you, you pour him a, a scotch and say, hey, Bob, what are you thinking? <laughs> what would you like to do, Bob? How about that Belichick guy? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just there isn't much loyalty in sports, but you got to figure between those two, there's got to be something there where he's gonna he's gonna let him go on his own own terms, give him another shot. I gotta, I gotta go find a dictionary and define what that loyalty in sports means. I don't I haven't seen that very often recently. No, it's true. What have you done for me today, baby? It's true. If you want loyalty, buy a dog, right? Pro sports. Indeed. All right. Well. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Pleasure, John. Always. All right. Paul Jones, John Shannon, McCom Podcast. Talk to you tomorrow.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.